This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm throwing up on the screen straight away our show that we did yesterday. Uh, I was joined by Harry and Chris and Abby to talk about Arsenal's 3-0 win over against Oxford. So if you haven't already had the chance to give that a watch, it is the latest upload on the channel so uh without further ado please do make sure you go give yourself um a a watch of that it's certainly worth it It was a really good conversation a really good chat so so worth listening to uh let's say good morning to people joining us in the chat box today john good morning to you to akmal to amira yomi black shine red star morgie martin nsw uh jose olu kaiser we got stevie and tom and kevin good morning to you bram percy uh, Peeny Ween, Wilson, uh, Peter, James, uh, and Matt G as well joining us in the chat box as always. Thank you so much for making this a part of your morning uh, and with your orange juice or your coffee or your tea or maybe even your dinner, depending on where you are in the world, of course. But thank you most of all uh, for being there for us and supporting uh, the channel. Uh, let's get on with today's stories. Uh, of course, do drop a like and subscribe as always, as well. Um, but uh, Aziz uh, completed. His loan switch to Wigan uh, yesterday. Uh, he joins Colo Torre's side for the remainder of the 2022-23 season. Uh, Kevin Betsy, of course, who you will probably remember as Arsenal's under-23 coach from last season. Uh, he left the under-23s to become Crawley's head coach. It didn't go too well there. And unfortunately, that meant um, that he lost his job uh, and he parted ways with them in October. And he has since joined up with Colo Torre to become his assistant coach at Wigan. Uh, so he, we understand, played quite a, a significant role in recommending Miguel Aziz as being a player that could bring something to Wigan's midfield between now 
and the end of the season as well. So you can be sure that we'll be getting updates on Miguel Aziz and on how he's getting on during our loan roundups at the end of each month. We've got the next one coming at the end of January, start of February. So make sure you're subscribed to get that piece of content. Uh, Arsenal have apparently set a price tag around €40 million Euros, uh, for following Balogun. Now, the striker has done very well playing uh, in France with Horns and uh, scoring 10 goals, the third highest number of goals scored by a player uh, in the league, only behind Kylian Mbappe and Neymar, of course, as well, with 13 and 11 goals, respectively. And his future at Arsenal remains uncertain because we've got Gabriel Jesus and we've got Eddie Nketiah. And there's even talk that Arsenal want to bring in another forward during the winter window. And because of that, his future, of course, remains a little bit up in the air. Now, Arsenal have wanted to improve uh, the way in which they uh, sell players, the way in which they try and get money for players. And uh, because of that, I'm hoping anyway, at least, that what we see is... Uh, Arsenal able to make serious profit on players such as following Balogun. And if Arsenal can get hold of the player for this amount of money, or rather can sell the player for this amount of money, it obviously represents a significant um, profit made on a youth project coming through the ranks as well. Is it the right decision? Do we know whether or not Balogun would um, be a success uh, at Arsenal if we kept him for the long term? Or if trading him in for that 40 million euros is the right choice, I'm not sure. But if we're getting, you know, into the realms of paying significant money, it could end up being half the price we end up playing for someone like Mudrik in the future. So it's very interesting indeed to see how much we end up getting for someone like Balogun. But apparently the club has set a 40 million price tag on Balogun's head amid interest from both AC and Inter Milan. Now, according to reports in Spain, uh, Arsenal were linked with an interest in Eric Garcia. However, the Spanish defender wants to stay in Catalonia until uh, the foreseeable future. Arsenal are on the lookout for a left-sided centre-back and, of course, have seen links to the likes of Evan and Dica. We saw a report claiming that we'd even agreed a deal with the French centre-back playing at the moment for Frankfurt. However, that's certainly gone very quiet and there's been questions around whether or not that is indeed true or not. But uh, Eric Garcia is apparently one of the players on the radar. Of course, Arteta knows him from his time at Manchester City. I don't think he's done particularly well since moving away from City. And to be honest, even at City, there was question marks around him. Even though City wanted to keep hold of him, I think Arsenal should probably be looking elsewhere for a centre-back in the summer if they indeed do want one. Now, one of the striker targets that was an alternative to Joao Felix uh, was, of course, Memphis Depay. However, Atletico Madrid are now in talks with Barcelona after potentially trying to organise a move for the Dutch international until maybe the end of the season, maybe slightly longer. Uh, Atleti and Barcelona have a history of trading strikers. You think about Antoine Griezmann, Luis Suarez, David Villa. It has happened quite a lot. And Memphis Depay might become the next on a long list of forwards uh, that have been linked between the two clubs. So if Arsenal want to get a hold of a forwards and if they see Memphis Depay as an option, they are going to have to get on their bike and try and get hold of this one very quickly because Atleti are moving fast to replace Ralph Felix with Memphis Depay, amongst other options as well. Now, Arsenal transfer target Danilo, who we've talked about on a number of occasions, who we hear uh, Arsenal have called their interest in over the last six months or so. Apparently, Nottingham Forest, according to Fabrizio Romano, are closing 
on a 20 million euro deal for the player. They, of course, had that 50 million pound, around 80 million euros bid rejected uh, only this week. And they've already returned with an improved offer for the 21-year-old central midfielder. Uh, I imagine that a lot of Arsenal fans will be watching this one carefully, believing he is the right option for Arsenal this window. And we'll be seeing how he then transitions to the Premier League over the course of the rest of this season. I'm hoping that, as as, uh, Jean says in the chat box here, the hope is that we've called our interest in Danilo because there is a better option for Arsenal either now or in the summer. Uh, a number of links to Declan Rice have, of course, surfaced, and maybe that's possibly the reason. Um, but Arsenal know they need immediate impact now. Whether or not Danilo could give that to them now remains to be seen. But Forrest seemed to be closing on that €20 million Euro deal now for the Brazilian midfielder. And our headline story of the day is that Mikhailo Mudrik has indeed left Ukraine with the Shakhtar Donetsk squad to travel to Turkey for a training camp. Uh, There's been, despite all of the liking of Instagram posts and everything else, he hasn't kicked up a fuss. He hasn't refused to train or travel or play. And he will indeed be included in that Shakhtar squad that will be traveling for the training camp. Now, this does not impact or deter talks from going on. Talks are continuing between both Arsenal and Shakhtar. Um, If you remember, we talked about yesterday, those reports coming from Ukraine and France claiming that Arsenal were very close to agreeing the overall figure with Shakhtar. Now, that has been kind of, not rubbished, but certainly quelled somewhat by some of the more reputable lines. Fabrizio Romano and James McNicholas claiming that Arsenal aren't necessarily as close to agreeing a deal with the Ukrainian side as maybe some have led us to believe at this stage. But that doesn't mean that they won't and that there is still a certain optimism and confidence, those two words that we continue to hear regarding this deal, that a deal can ultimately happen before the transfer window finishes. Uh, It does seem one that is going to be continuing to drag. What was an interesting development yesterday is that, according to Matt Law, Chelsea are a bit surprised by the amount of talk and reports claiming that they had a serious interest in Mudrik. Apparently, their interest was no more than exploratory. I'm finding it difficult to to believe this stance. I don't doubt the information where it's come from in terms of them reporting it. I I don't doubt that they have been given this information um, to them report. However, what I doubt is the legitimacy of Chelsea's own stance on this. I believe that Chelsea were genuinely interested in Woodrick, genuinely were trying to sign him. And, I mean, they hosted uh, Dario Serna uh, of, of Shakhtar it's the director at the club. At the club, they had talks with the players' representatives. It's a pretty big sign of your interest in the player if you're going to that length to speak to the representatives of the club who could make a deal happen. It is clear that... Mihailo Mudrik wants to move to Arsenal. It is clear that he wants to push for a position and it's very clear that he'll be very disappointed if a deal does not complete this window. That all being said, um, I think that Chelsea have probably looked at that and realised that they just don't really have an opportunity or a chance to get this one done. And they've tried, as VW in our chat box says, to save uh, face very much with this one. Um, They've moved and pivoted to other targets very quickly and managed to get them done. Um, And it's as simple as that. He didn't want to go there. He wants to come to Arsenal. And because of that, they've moved away. Uh, The surprise being reported amongst Chelsea's hierarchy, I think, is very much being done to try and save face. Um, and yeah, uh, that, that does complete our stories of the day. Uh, okay, let's move to part two and your questions right after this. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, let's jump into the chat box uh, and get some of your questions. Uh, Mike says, uh, just getting a bit frustrating now. Just get it done because the next six games is critical and we need backup to support the main team. Mike, thank you first of all for your donation. really appreciate the kind support to give to the channel. It means a lot. Um, I wanted to actually discuss this, um, this frustration that's growing. I've seen a number of comments left on the videos. I've seen a number of comments left in the chat box along the lines of, we're not signing anybody. Edu needs to be sacked if we don't sign anybody by the Tottenham game. If we aren't signing anybody by Tottenham, then people need to answer as to why. I've seen a lot of negativity, a hell of a lot of negativity. Uh, I've seen comments maybe like uh, they're seeing similarities between this window and the last window. Now, I have to be, and I'll be blunt. If you can't see the difference between this window and last window, I, I, I don't really know how to help you with that because there is clear and absolutely definitive differences between this window and the last window. Let's just rewind. Let's just pop in our time machine a second and go back to January of 2022. Arsenal, of course, were interested in signing a striker. We all know who that striker was. It was Dusan Blaovic. We were also said to have an interest in Yuri Tielemans, the central midfielder. However, the difference between that and these is that Dusan Blaovic very much wanted to go to Juventus, and the Arsenal could barely even get conversations through to the player. Only very for a short period did they even make even any kind of contact um, because it was very difficult to try and convince the representatives that Arsenal were a viable option. Juventus kept on ifing and erring about whether or not they'd do the deal. And then towards the end, of course, after wasting a lot of time of everybody, eventually they did do the deal. With Yuri Tielemans, Leicester were not interested in selling him during that window. He didn't have an interest in, of course, renewing his contract then, but they wanted to keep him until at least the end of the season. And so Arsenal ended up signing just uh, three players, ironically. Uh, one of them, of course, was confirmed in the summer via Matt Turner. The other was Austin Trusty. The other one was Lino Souza, who joined from West Brom to the youth side. But we didn't sign any first-team senior players whatsoever. Now, let's return to 2023, where we now sit. Arsenal are chasing a player that they have had two bids already gone in and rejected for in Mihailo Mudrik. We had no bids rejected for Vlaovic whatsoever because we didn't even get a bid in. We didn't even get to the point where we could do that. Uh, and we are continuing to push for talks with the player. A player that wants to join Arsenal, is desperate to join Arsenal and is doing nearly everything he could possibly do within his power besides really kicking up a fuss um, to get that deal done. Arsenal are all said, also said to have an interest in trying to sign another forward. We've held talks with Atletico Madrid about Joao Felix, but chose in the end uh, not to pursue that deal because of the finances surrounding that, which I completely understand because I just don't think he's worth what Chelsea are ultimately doing with the structure of that deal. I think you'd have to be mad to really complain about why we didn't do what Chelsea have done with that deal. Imagine really backing a six-month deal in which he signs an extension at Atleti uh, on a six-month deal that costs you a ridiculous fee and you've got no um, guarantees or any, even an indication that you would be able to get him on the summer for a reasonable figure. They would have been mad to do that deal, absolutely mad to do that one. So any complaints about that one I just think is 
is ultimately just an excuse to boot the club at this stage. Um, we are still pushing to try and find alternatives. There is also said to be interest in midfield. However, the priority at the moment is trying to secure those forwards. If Arsenal are able to get those forwards done and in by a reasonable point in the January transfer window, I imagine what they'll do is they'll switch focus to the midfield and try and see again if they can re-strengthen in that area. But there is a lot going on right now, far more going on than what was going on last year. And I just can't get my head around the anger, the negativity, the bashing, the calls for people's heads. I get my head around it because we've got a very reactionary and emotional fan base. We know that from years of following this club. But I can't get my head around where the anger comes from at this stage, especially considering how we've approached transfer windows, especially considering we are where we are in the league because of what we've done in transfer windows. It's just a frustration, I think, that there's still so much negativity. When on earth are we going to get that faith? <laughs> Honestly, it, it really bugs me. And so I have to be honest and talk to you guys about it. Anyway, let's get some comments uh, in the chat box through that, you know, I end up <laughs> frustrating me even more, but let's see. Um, Andrew says, is it a stretch of the imaginations to think that Shakhtar orchestrated the whole thing about Cerner visiting Stanford Bridge to cause Arsenal to panic and make the bid that they wanted all along? Uh, it's not a stretch. Uh, you know, <laughs> things happen all the time during these windows. Uh, things happen to try and tactics are used to try and get people to move when they might not want to move for certain figures and prices. So no, Andrew, I don't think it's a stretch to imagine that, that Shakhtar have been using some tactics to try and force Arsenal into panicking and paying big. Akmal says, I saw a link to Eden Hazard. Is there any truth in this? I've personally heard nothing. I did see the report. I just thought it was so ludicrous that I didn't even want to include it in today's stories. I don't know. I could plaster it on my thumbnail and my headlines on my on my thumbnail in the video to say, like, oh, look, Eden Hazard is a great story. Let's talk about... I just don't really buy it. Uh, so I haven't talked about it, but no, I don't I don't believe it. I think it would be mad if Arsenal were considering that one. It would be ridiculous. Uh, Brian Percy says, Tom, why am I more dedicated to turning up for this show more so than making my own lunch for work? Is it Arsenal over everything? Brian Percy, I mean, you can surely do both. You know, just put the phone on the side, make your lunch while it's going on in the background. I get you want to join in with the conversation in the chat box as well. But, you know, you've got to look after yourself. Make your lunch, fella. <laughs> Benji says, Tom, this does feel like dragging our feet on one transfer, even we're working on multiple targets, which we need to be. How come we're hearing nothing on a midfielder or literally anything else? Now, two things to this. First thing, the club are obviously working on multiple fronts. Actually, three things. The second thing, the priority for the club is trying to bring in those forward areas. Yes, we need to strengthen in midfield, but we do have numbers in midfield, whereas we don't necessarily have the same numbers available uh, in the forward line to a level. You've got Partey, you've got Xhaka, you've got Elneny, you've got Erdegaard, you've got Vieira, you've got Smithrow, you've got Zinchenko who can play there if you need him to. We have options, yeah? And I think that because we have those options, it does ultimately mean that they are focusing on the forward line whilst Jesus and whilst Nelson are out. The reality is that we don't have Jesus and Nelson now. Yes, we might lose Partey. We might lose Xhaka. There could be an injury to one of those two players, and that sucks. But right now, the injury and the reality is to our forward line. And the reality right now is that we are very short, so much so that we started the front three against Oxford in the FA Cup. We are short and we need to add there. So that's why that's being a focus. I imagine that the third is that we don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes, Benji. And so 
everything that we hear is only a percentage of what is ultimately going on in the world of Arsenal transfers. Remember the Fabio Vieira deal, the Callum Chambers uh, exit, the Matt Ryan deal. Things are going on that we don't have a clue about, that we don't know about. And at any moment, at any time, maybe a deal can pop out of nowhere and surprise us. So that always needs to be considered and that we can't just take all of the noise and whispers and uh, stuff like that as gospel, that it's the only things going on as well. It's important to always remember that. Stephen says, do you think the Oxford game highlighted the difference in quality between our first 11 and the backup? Without a doubt, Stephen, without a doubt. It is obvious that there is a gap between the two. And if we can strengthen, we should strengthen in the midfield. But as I've said a number of times already, we are looking at trying to do that. Uh, Era says uh, City is looking for a bigger cup. Liverpool and Chelsea are having problems. That is the only reason we are top of the league. Don't kid yourselves. Era, that is... I'm going to be very blunt. I feel sorry for you that that is your opinion on this as an Arsenal fan, if indeed you are an Arsenal fan. And if you are, I feel very, very sorry that that's your view. Because from my perspective, I am utterly and overwhelmingly excited about where we are. Because I can see how we've got to this stage through the recruitment that we've done in the window, through the style of play that we've established, through the improvement of how we are defensively, from the way that we approach games away from home against big teams, the way in which we steal possession, the way in which we dominate games, the way in which we have no fear, the pressing, the energy, the commitment, the unity between the squad. And if after this amount of time and this amount of clear evidence of progression and improvement, that you're still, if you are an Arsenal fan indeed, of course, struggling to admit, to put principles and pride to one side, to admit that what Arteta and this club and Edu and everyone behind the scenes has put together to put us where we are in the table. And if you are still unable to see that, I think you're beyond help. And there's nothing else that I or anyone else can say that is going to convince you. You could argue that we could win the league. And maybe some fans would still turn around and say, yeah, but we only won the league because of this. Get real, grow up, lose your pride, support your team and enjoy it. Because we haven't been able to enjoy this for a very, very long time. And I, for one, am buzzing to be where we are. Sick of negativity. I'm sick of be sick of people being negative for the sake of being negative just because it panders to a certain crowd. This is great. You know, when Arteta was was really at his lowest point, and I was very keen to see potentially a change because I couldn't see a way forwards. And I felt as though it was the done thing for a club to replace him after that Villarreal game. I hated being in that position. I didn't enjoy being in that position. I didn't enjoy jumping onto shows and having to speak criti uh, critically of Arsenal because I want Arsenal to succeed. I jumped onto shows talking in that moment and that because that's how I felt at that time. But there is nothing more I want than Arsenal to, su to succeed. And I can be you know, grown up enough to admit where I've been wrong about things and to see now what the work that has gone on behind the scenes has achieved. And I'm very, very proud to be an Arsenal fan. You know, I go out with my Arsenal shirt on, wearing it proudly. I'm going to go for my runs. You would never see, because I talked about this on the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast. The home kit, bright red, is quite a statement thing to wear. You know, I've got that blue and yellow trim jacket as well. They're quite loud things, you know. They turn heads. If you're wearing an Arsenal home shirt in in public, it turns heads. You know, you're not you're standing out. You know, it's pretty dull colours when you go out these days. You're standing out, and I'm proud to wear that Arsenal shirt. I'm proud to let people know I'm an Arsenal fan because it's I'm, I'm happy to be an Arsenal fan. 
it feels good to be an Arsenal fan right now, and I think people should enjoy it. So take yourself aside for a second, look yourself in the mirror and go, is this for me? Is this supporting Arsenal malarkey? Is this football malarkey really for me? I'm hoping and praying that you're not an Arsenal fan. I really am, and you're just a troll in my chat box. But for the relevance of this show, I feel it's important to point all of that stuff out. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to Max, who says, Tom, honestly, all that for Felix, Chelsea can have him. It's fine. Chelsea are used to bad deals anyway. Fernando Torres, Alvaro Morata, Pulisic, Abamyang, etc. Yeah. Look, we talked about this yesterday. If you haven't watched our raw reaction show from the game against Oxford, um, Harry put forward a really good kind of argument around his frustrations of Joao Felix and Mudrick. The idea that how people can very quickly switch from Joao Felix to Mudrick just like that, basically. I've not seen it myself, really. I haven't seen people switch so rapidly from one to the other. Whilst I had my, you know, my appreciation for Joao Felix, you saw during our tactical breakdown with Alvaro Romeo that we did. He very much changed my view on uh, Joao Felix and a six-month loan deal in particular with the evidence, with his words, with his um, experience of watching the player and, and his thoughts on it. You know, And I think that there is enough evidence to say that the deal that Chelsea have agreed to is scandalous. It's as scandalous as the lack of a penalty for Arsenal against Newcastle. That's how scandalous that loan deal is. And if you're genuinely upset or you genuinely think it's horrific that Arsenal didn't agree to those terms and that Chelsea have managed to come in and get Joao Felix on an 11 million euro six-month loan deal where he's extended his contract with Atletico Madrid, if you're angry about that, I'm glad you're not in charge of the club's transfers. That's all I can say. I'm very glad indeed. Um, Carl says, how much confidence do you have in Lukonga if Xhaka or Partey get injured? Uh, not much, Carl. To be honest, you know, I, I've really, I'm really struggling with um, with Lukonga right now. Um, I'm really frustrated with uh, the lack of opportunities that he's taking, and I think that we do need to absolutely be looking to strengthen. So there you go. Uh, Mohammed says it's not negativity to say that we need to be better in closing deals. Now, I don't, I don't think that's fair. I'm not saying you're being negative if you're frustrated about how long it's taking to do deals. I honestly believe that it is more of a lack of understanding about the process behind completing transfers because you don't know how it works. I don't really know how it works. But what I do know is that Arsenal aren't doing this purposefully. Arsenal aren't penny-pinching around the Mudrick deal. Arsenal weren't penny-pinching around the Joao Felix deal because the Joao Felix deal was ludicrous. And what's going on is that it is a very, very complicated deal to do with a club that are very and notoriously ridiculous when it comes to negotiations. And, there, and, and the situation that the Ukraine and Shakhtar is in has added to this even further because of the transfers, of course, how outside, outside this deal happened, which has put so much pressure financially onto Shakhtar as well. I'm not saying you're negative if you're questioning why these deals are taking a long time. I personally, and with respect, just think it is a lack of understanding about what happens behind the scenes. And that's what I think it comes down to. And that's why I try to be encouraging to you to have that patience and to be more open-minded about what's going on. What I don't have appreciation for is when people are saying that this is the same as last January, because it's not. It is not the same at all. There is so many clear differences. Whilst the outcome at the end of the window, who knows, could be the same. I pray with every fibre of my existence that it isn't. 
but it might be. But the process that gets us to that point will, of course, have been different as we have approached this window very aggressively. We've gone in hard with two very good bids for a player like Mudrik, who might end up costing us more than we want to pay for. And yet, for some reason, and somehow there's still accusations of penny pinching out there. You know, I just, it's not negativity to say that we need to be better in closing deals. I just think it's a lack of understanding on, on other people's parts about how these transfers happen. It's just my view on it. Um, <laughs> Omar says, Tom's passive-aggressive nature is getting me. You know, I don't want to lose my head in these. Um, and it's not about losing my head in these when I respond to some of these types of comments. Um, it's just a frustration. It's a frustration in the lack of kind of... Um, it's, a, it's a frustration in the lack of open-mindedness about the situation from some... Um, I'm very open always to changing my mind. I don't feel as though other people are as open to changing theirs or appreciating what's gone on. You know, when I do say uh, the Arsenal Lounge with Mo and Shaheen and Lev, you know, it's a very different crowd. And there are people in that chat box that obviously don't watch my show because they don't agree with what I say or they don't particularly like me. And that's fine. But what I've noticed that those people that aren't, they're not in the chat box. The same people that were there moaning and complaining about Arsenal when we were losing and our lowest point have disappeared. These people aren't, aren't in those chat boxes anymore. They can't face the music. And that's so sad because that means that it meant more to them to moan. And it means more to them that they're, more to them that they're embarrassed about being wrong about Arsenal than it does about supporting and enjoying when things are going well. That's really sad. The club comes before anything else for me. Anything else. My opinion is so secondary to the success of this football club that it's fine if I'm wrong about something. I don't care if I'm wrong about something. Do I like being wrong? No. Do I like being wrong, though, if it means that Arsenal benefit? Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't be happier to be wrong about something if Arsenal are benefiting. If I'm wrong about something, though, and it means that we've, you know, that uh, the club isn't going in the right direction, uh, that hurts. That hurts, you know. Um, if I'm right about something and it means that the club aren't doing well, it also hurts. So all I want is for the club to be moving in the right, uh, in the right way. So there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, hi Sophie thank you for joining us I was a critic at first Sophie says you can't deny what is happening now it's just nonsense to think otherwise uh, Bakary Lasagna says don't get me wrong this season has been incredible and you can really see the A-team style plan coming together we just need the backup signings over the line again I kind of want to get rid of this word backup I was listening to the Arsenal Vision podcast I don't know if Elliot's been listening to me but I like him always say backups are a thing of the past we need to stop signing backups we need to sign competitors Backups don't get your foot. Backups don't push the needle. Backups don't take you where we need to go. We need to go and sign players that are going to add competition and quality to the team. Only as the very, very last resort where a backup is better than nothing do you go for a backup. But right now, we need to be going for competitive options. That's that's what we need. Akron says, yeah, you tell them, Tom. <laughs> Just reeks of negativity. Understandable when we're eighth. But now first, five points out of City. And some are still being negative, question mark. Um, <laughs> Thomas says Tom woke up and chose violence. I don't think I'm choosing violence at all. And I know that you're being lighthearted, Omar. I just are you people listening not as frustrated as I am to still to still see negativity at this point when you can clearly see what is going on. You can clearly see the progression. You can clearly see the improvement. You can clearly see what we're trying to achieve. You can clearly see what the club is trying to do this window, what it's trying to sign, who it's trying to sign. One of the most exciting young players on the continent. You know, I, I can't get, why, why is there such a need to be negative sometimes or be really just, 
I don't get it. Is it pandering to a viewpoint that you can't escape? I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a fear that you look silly to change your mind on something. So Sophie said in the chat book, Sophie was a critic at first. I've had my criticisms. We've both changed my mind. Do we look silly? No, we're buzzing. We're enjoying this season. We're loving this season. We're enjoying talking about Arsenal this season. We're enjoying looking back on how wrong we were about certain things. There's no shame in that. That's great. That's a great thing to have. I think it's more shameful if you're sticking by negative views when you just look silly at this point. Um, Nambia says, hi, Tom. Do you think Woodrick's interview with Vlada Zinchenko uh, could have angered the Shakhtar board and has made them even more stubborn? No, they, they are historically and re- reputably stubborn in the transfer market. I don't think that has necessarily affected it much significantly. It might have affected it a little bit. I don't think it's had a significant impact on the situation, to be honest, at all. Um, Bizarre says, what are your thoughts on uh, Abamyang being subbed off and then subbed on and then subbed off? Do you think he's finished? Uh, he was subbed on really early in the game, so I'm not going to read too much into it. But pff, I don't know why they signed him. Of course, they signed him under Tuchel and then sacked him. So I don't really know why they did that to bring in Potter. He's not Potter's player. It's very difficult to judge a manager when he doesn't have his players. And I know he's got some players, but that Chelsea team is a, is a, a mosaic of like three different managers, even more than that, and their players. It's very hard to get a grasp on how good a manager is until he kind of gets his squad. I mean, look at Arteta. You know, when he came in, he had a mishmash of players from Wenger and Unai Emery that didn't work together. He had a fractured dressing room. I mean, going even more evidence about what Arteta has done to this squad. And gradually, we've weeded out the weak links and the disruptive players and the quote-unquote big characters. Um, We've got them out, and we are all the better for it. We've got players in. And to be honest, I don't think things are done. You know... There are players in this team that I think were not signed under Arteta that could move on. Kieran Tierney is the one to watch. Kieran Tierney is a player that could genuinely leave Arsenal, I think, in the next year. And he obviously wasn't an Arteta signing. He inherited him. He renewed his contract. He likes him. But it's about if he can play the way that Arteta wants his left-back to play. We didn't sign Zinchenko because we needed backup at left-back. We, need, we signed Zinchenko because he's the perfect profile for what that role entails. That's why we signed Zinchenko. And Tierney, if he can't learn, if he can't adapt to that role, he'll be sold. Does that make him a bad player? No. Does that just mean that he's probably maybe not the right fit for where that position is going in Arsenal's future? Probably, yeah. Are we going to be able to get a very good fee for him because he's a good left back if we sell him? Yes. Do I want to see him go? Not really. I really like him. But... We need to put the team first. We need to put the system first. We need to have players that fit the system. If a player doesn't fit the system and ultimately is not going to take us to where we need to go, they are expendable. And that is the reality. We can like a player as much as I really love Tierney and his, his character is who he is as a player. I love his quality. But if something don't fit, it don't fit. You know, and put it this way, you can have a great, you can have a great toaster or a great kitchen appliance, right? But if the plug doesn't fit the socket because it comes from somewhere else, you need to find one that's just as good or better that you can plug in that works. And it's as simple as that, really. I can't believe I've compared Tierney to a toaster. But there you go. It's 8am and we're coming up with some crazy things. <laughs> anyway, um, NSW says, have I blocked the troll? No, I haven't blocked. They've not seen it. I mean, I might not have seen it, seen a comment yet, to be honest, but uh uh, the only time we block people is is for a number of reasons. One is obviously trolling. If I don't believe them to be trolling, then, you know, it's just their opinion. That's fine. Abuse, of course. 
Um, there's also something uh, that I maybe a little bit am too trigger heavy on, but I do very much believe in if someone is not there to support you, if someone is only there to kind of bring you down, don't really see the worth in having them around. Trim your circles, people. They're just not worth having you in your life, to be honest. Anyway, um, let's have a look. Let's scroll up in the chat box. I might stay on a little bit longer this morning, of course, to tackle some more of your questions. I've got a day off. I've got quite a nice day today, actually. I'm going to go see Darren Brown this evening. Very much looking forward to that. He's an illusionist here in the UK, very famous, um, and it should be fun. Uh, I've never been to one of his live shows, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to somewhere called the, uh, the Cheese Room, which is just cheese, just like cheese in every single meal. It's a cheat day. I have to admit, it's very much a cheat day. It's a it's a Christmas present that I've had to wait a while for. Uh, sorry, birthday present I've had to wait a while for. But uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's my day today. I'm looking forward to it. But I've got a day off, so I'll stick around and take some more of your questions. Uh, Amira says, "Do you trust the fans to provide uh, Mihailo Mudrik enough support if he doesn't hit the ground running? The media is bad enough, and while fans have been amazing so far, expectations of a title charge can change things." I think it's important to differentiate between, let's say, the Nicola Pepe deal and the Mudrik deal. You know, when we signed Nicola Pepe, he was signed with the idea that he comes straight into the starting lineup, um, that he'd been playing in one of Europe's top five elite leagues and scoring a ridiculous number of goals. So there was an expectation already there with Pepe because, you know, Saka wasn't as pronounced, anywhere near as pronounced by that stage, was really playing kind of you know, if he was, he was playing at left back or he was playing in the Europa League. So when Pepe came in, there was the expectation for him to to start and hit the ground running and play because he was, you know, in his early to mid twenties. Mudrik's just turned twenty, only just turned twenty two. Um, has still got a lot to prove. Doesn't come in necessarily straight away to start. You know, he's going to be playing in competition with Martinelli, and he's more of an investment. It's the same kind of thing as as Ben White. Like Ben White was an investment. The 50 million at the time that we signed Ben White, a lot of questions, and rightfully, it's a lot of money to pay for Ben White at that time after one year in the Premier League. It's fair to say that he's absolutely justified that investment by this stage. Just look what he's done in the last 18 months to justify that price tag. That's going to happen now with Mudrik. Is Mudrik needs to gradually justify that investment if we indeed do complete the signing, but it is different to the Pepe deal. There's a very big difference between the signing of Pepe in that moment and the signing of Mudrik in this moment. There are differences between the two. Um, let's go to uh, David says, why is it taking so long for us to nail down Saka, Martinelli and Saliba to new long-term contracts? I think f- because in this, obviously the World Cup's just happened. That distracted things for a while. Now it's the January window. That's taking precedence right now. After January, hopefully David will see some movement on the, the contract situation. But our attentions are very much on transfers right now as opposed to um, as opposed to the uh, the contract negotiations. Uh, Cosa says, I'm disappointed that we couldn't get the deal for Felix done. He was my second favourite player, personally. If I had to pick one other attacker, it would be Ferran Torres. Would you be down for that or not? I like Ferran Torres. I don't think he's convincing for everybody, and that's because he's not been able to really kind of nail down that established spot for either Barca or City. Arteta likes him. And I trust the club. And they put a bid in for him at the end of last summer and it wasn't successful. They clearly like the guy. If they believe him to be the right person to sign, I will back that decision and I look forward to seeing him in the team. But yeah, I do like Ferran Torres, um, but I would prefer us to go for kind of a more, especially in this wide area, if we can't get Mudrik, a, a more natural winger. There's a lot of people that suggest kind of attacking midfielders that play in wide areas. The Smith-Rowe style of players, I like to call them. I want us to get a proper winger. We need another winger in this team, and, and that is what Mudrick ultimately is. 
Um, let's go to um, Jean says, Tom, just figured out the AFTV methodology. Keep feeding into the negativity because it drives engagement from the toxic section of our fan base. Love the Arsenal and the Gunnar talk. Now, I think that's unfair on AFTV. Personally, I think AFTV have done a lot in the last year and a bit, especially probably slightly more, to change the perception of it a lot. Um, and you have people on there that I think are very constructive now. You know, we've had James on the channel. James is excellent. Graham, of course, Graham Brooks on the channel is excellent in his tactical analysis. I don't think there is people on there just to drive negativity. Is there still things that I am critical of? Yeah. You know, and I'm sure there's people that are critical of the way that I do things on this channel. So, you know, nobody's perfect. But I, I don't necessarily buy into this, um, the bash of AFTV in this sense, in this moment. Sure, in the past, we can have our opinions on all that stuff. But, you know, I, I think I, I respect when effort goes into trying to change the perception, to try and be better, to try and to improve. I can respect that. And so I think it's fair to respect that. Um, if you don't like it, don't watch it. That's what I always say. Um, Lone Wolf Emperor, also known as Al Ruben, <laughs> what a name, says, I am all happy being number one. But what do what I do know is Hill Woods, who hardly has any money, had more ambitions than the Cronkies. And that is the facts. Uh, and that is what uh, I want to see KSE back Arteta. Well, I mean, if you look in the last, I mean, if you look since 2018, and that's when the Cronkies obviously took full control of Arsenal. Since 2018, Arsenal have invested. Arsenal have spent a lot of money. Has it been perfect? No. Did we make an absolute calamity of the Super League decision? Yes. And they should be criticised beyond all measure for buying into that. And then equally, they should be not praised, but I think go, you know, fair play for backing out of it and listening to the fans at the same time, even though they really didn't have much choice. <laughs> but KSE, the Cronkies, whatever you think of Stan, whatever, he's silent Stan, he does what he does. I don't care. Josh, I do genuinely believe that Josh cares. I do genuinely believe that Josh wants to see this team succeed. And I do genuinely believe that they are trying to back us to get to that point. And if we are going from a Mahalo Madrid, a player that Arteta really wants, and a player that we will probably end up overpaying beyond our valuation of him, you can't say that that's then the ownership not backing Arteta because they're getting him a player for more than he's worth because we want him. You know, Arteta wanted a lot of players and we've managed to get him a lot of players in this last three to four years um, and nearly pushing on for five years. If you go all the way back to 2018, of course, we've we've really backed whoever's been in, at the helm. So I think that the KSE kind of rhetoric does get a little bit lost sometimes um, and isn't always accurate. Uh, let's scroll down some more. Uh, Manu says, why have Shakhtar been able to recruit many good players? It's pretty strange for such an unpopular league. Um, Shakhtar have obviously a lot of links in Brazil. They've signed a lot of players from Brazil. Um, they didn't have the work permit issues, of course, that Arsenal and other Premier League sides have had that have made it easier to sign young players from those leagues like Bernard, like Tyson, like Douglas Costa, like Fred, um, you know, these types of players. So because of that, it's, it, it makes it much easier. It's also a really good stepping stone club. And a lot of players have seen it as a bit of a stepping stone club. So they can see if I go to Shakhtar and perform really well, I can get a really good move to another big club. Because just look at the pathway. You know, look at uh, Douglas Costa going to, to Bayern Munich. Look at Fred going to Manchester United. You know, these are examples of players signing for big teams after moving to Shakhtar. So there's a pathway there. They're an attractive club in that and have been in the past. Of course, there's a lot of complications right now. 
but there's a lot of attractive qualities about seeing a stepping stone club into Europe's biggest and most elite clubs. So I think that's probably one of the reasons as to why. Um, let's go down a bit more. Uh, Mohammed says, I get the deals need time, but we are slow. Uh, we had two months break to prepare for this crucial window, and now we're halfway through. Also, what do you think about my shout of Mitama? Yeah, I've already said, Mohammed, a number of times that Mitama is a player that I very much like and would be very open for a signing. So that's that's that. Um, the slow thing, I, I, I always ask someone, and I do the phone-in show sometimes, and I say, if you think we're slow, what would you do differently? Like, what would you do? Like, what's the solution to not being slow in your mind? It's very easy to go, oh, we're slow. We need to be faster. What's your solution? What's your solution to us not being slow? Don't turn around to me and say, oh, I'm not a sporting director. I'm not a person who works in the game. I don't know. Because if you don't know, then how on earth have you got any perspective to say that it's slow? If you're that forth or forward thinking and thinking it's slow, if you're that sure that we're slow, don't turn around to me saying, well, it's not my job. <laughs> it's not my job to come up with the solutions to be quicker. That's on them. Or how about having the perspective that you realize that actually, no, this is just kind of how it works with some players. It doesn't help that you see players like Gakpo sign for Liverpool very swiftly. He's a different player. It's a different profile. It's a different scenario. It's a different context, different price tag. You know, it's very different. So that's what I always kind of say is that if we're slow, what's your solution to us being faster and still getting the players that we need, want, and have to get during this window? Um, let's go to... Uh, Wade, who says, uh, in response to Alexandra Lawson, who I've not seen the comment of, so it's always tricky for me to then follow these threads. It's like a thread within a thread within a thread in our chat book sometimes. Um, Alexandra Lawson was looking at Ansu as a loan deal, uh, but you're right. Lots of injuries, outstanding young uh, talent. I really like him, but I'm sure there's other options. I assume that was a comment about potentially signing Ansu Fati from Barca on loan. Um, it would need to have some kind of future to it. You know, that's what I'm always with. Where we're at this stage, if you're signing somebody on loan, um, it needs to be someone that has a future. You know, the Erdegaard situation, yes, there wasn't a um, an option or an obligation, but there certainly was discussions around Arsenal potentially signing him in the summer, and that ultimately happened, you know. So that's important to consider. We have to have a future uh, in that. Um Mohammed says it's about how our backroom staff work and take initiatives and chances when and how they, uh, how long they negotiate. That's again, still, that's not a solution. Tell me how we be faster. You're saying take initiatives. It's how they work. Well, what is it how they work? What initiatives? What chance? I need some actual explanation, detailed about what the solution is before we can start going, we're too slow in the market. Um, Ira says uh, we have a decade of disaster and know as fans that we can become cheerleaders because we are top after 17 games. I don't know what what is a fan outside of being a cheerleader, because I'm pretty sure a fan is a cheerleader, is it not? I feel like the word cheerleader is being used to denigrate the idea of what a fan is. I go to games when I go as a fan, and I cheer. And I sometimes want to lead those cheers. Yeah, I sometimes when things are down, um, for instance, uh, you know those moments where like we're on the attack and like everyone in the ground suddenly stands up. You know, when I go when I used to go as a fan rather than going as a as a journalist as I do now and sit in the press box where I can't get up and shout and stuff like that. Um, you know, when we're on the attack, I'll be one of the first to stand up in the crowd and we're like, Oh, that's 
Yeah, I nearly swore then. You know what I mean, though. Like, be one of the first to like, be standing up and getting the crowd off their feet and shouting and screaming, doing what you need to do in the ground to get behind the team. If you're a cheerleader, good on you. Cheer your team. Be a leader of those cheers. Like, I don't know what the criticism is. I, I don't, I don't know. Omar says, to be fair, I can't imagine Tom leading a chart. <laughs> I tell you, after a couple, um, and I'm in really in uh, that kind of frame of mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. I really, I really miss it. And I really hope that, um, I really hope to go to a game as a fan again at some point. Um, and I certainly, I was chatting to Kai about this the other day. You do take it for granted. And yes, I'm not going to start asking for sympathy i have a dream job i'm not gonna lie i have an absolute dream job i get to go to games cover the arsenal talk to the players talk to the manager it's amazing i'm not taking it for granted but what i think sometimes i have taken for granted is the act of going to the game as a fan you know being in the crowd shouting and screaming getting behind your players getting angry frustrated if you've lost and gutted if you've lost and obviously i still feel that way when we lose but you know that feeling after the game but at the same time on the opposite side of the coin the raw emotion of winning. I think back to the game, one of my favourite games I ever went to is when we beat Liverpool at home 4-1. Bellerin scored, Ozil scored, Alexis scored, Giroud scored. And I watched that game on my own because I managed to get a ticket and I wasn't, I didn't go to the game with anyone in the ground. I saw a lot of people after and before the game that I knew, but I was sitting on my own in the ground and I must have hugged 15, 16, 17 people I'd never met before during that game because it was such a raw, massive victory that game and we won 4-1. And I'm, I do miss that. And I remember being at the Oxford game and I'm sitting there next to Art de Roche from The Athletic. And I don't know if he's hearing <laughs> me being so stupid, but sometimes like, because I can't get involved with the chants, I'll sit there and I'm just kind of mouthing them while the, while the fans are singing or I'm just whispering them while the fans are singing. Or I'm just saying them slightly under my breath um, because it's it's tough. And when a goal goes in, it's tough to sit on your hands. It really is. Um, and I have lost it a couple of times in the, in the press box. And I have, I have kind of broken character, if you like, not character, but broken the facade of, of the journalist. Um, and, you know, you do, you do proper, you do go for it. And me and Kai are both guilty of it sometimes because there's big moments in games. You know, when that, um, the Leeds game, for instance, when I was at the Leeds game, I don't know if I have a photo of it, um, but when I was at the Leeds game, the um, where I was sitting was right next to the away fans. There was like this giant long bench. There wasn't like seats in the press box where there sometimes are um, other grounds. It was a giant long bench. And then next to me was, um, was all of the fans. Um, so I can try and show you an image of this. Uh, let me try and get this up on my screen quickly. Um, but uh, where I take this video from, it's like that is where I'm sitting. Um, so I'll try and show the screen. Uh, but so that's where I'm sitting. You can see there's clapping going on in front of me. And if you look to the left of me where I've just panned slightly to the left, it's just it's just fans. And that's that's like all lead supporters. So imagine for a second... The, the chaos that went on at the end of that game between us and Leeds, Gabriel penalty red card situation, trying to sit on your hands and not react during those moments is so hard. And I definitely took for granted that period of going uh, just as a fan. And I really look forward to the next game that I can go to where I'm just sitting in the stands as a fan. Um, so yeah, that, that means a lot and I do miss it. And I hope to go again as a fan, fingers crossed 
very, very soon. Um, <laughs> Meat says, uh, Tom, any news on how much we'll sell Tavares for? No, but I doubt it's 40 million. <laughs> Uh, Tom says, Tom, a criticism of the crowd at the Emirates is we're getting much better in terms of the atmosphere, but are still very poor with the human pyramid element of the classic cheerleading. <laughs> I want to see more human pyramids in the, in the crowd at the Emirates. That's what we need is more human pyramids, Tom. Absolutely. Uh, and I've met Tom at one of the games and he's a nice lad. It's going to feel that's so patronizing. Um, it's the hope that kills you says, just seeing Tom, the ultra Always the quiet ones. Love you, Tony. You're a legend. <laughs> I wouldn't describe myself as one of the uh, Ashburton army. I'd love to get involved with just like, yeah, it's just that raw emotion of football. There's nothing like it. So I remember when I was teaching, I'd be sitting in the staff room with some other teachers talking about football because that's all I talked about. Boring as hell. And some people would just be saying, like, I don't like football. I don't get football. And I'm in my mind, I'm going, how? How can you not like football? Like, what's, what, what are you doing with your life on the weekends if there's no football to get that raw attachment to? People like what they like. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I love being an Arsenal fan right now more than I ever have, I think, in my entire life. I think it's been this you know, I've I grew up uh, with the Invincibles being very much in my early childhood, so I can never really appreciate them, can never really have the adult emotion um, that I have now as a fan. You know, I was 18 when we won uh, the FA Cup uh, in 2014 in that 13 14 season, uh, and Obviously, that was a bit of a peak, winning, really being able to appreciate a trophy. Because uh, I'm, I'm only 28, so I, you know, there's a lot of fans that listen to this show that are a lot older than me that had um, had very much experiences beyond what I was able to experience. But now, sitting top of the table, I, I, it is. I feel like this is absolutely the happiest, the most emotional, the most passionate I feel about Arsenal right now than I ever have uh, in my conscious supporting life. It's great. I absolutely love it. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry that this one's gone on a little bit longer <laughs> than what it usually does. It's been an emotional show. It's been a raw show, uh, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed tackling some tough topics. I've enjoyed tackling the trolls, and I've enjoyed taking your questions. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you're new, uh, as always. I won't be back today with the show because uh, I say I've got a day off and I'm going up to London and doing some cool stuff uh, up there with the missus. So I won't be back today. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. There isn't going to be an Eat, Sleep, Arsenal repeat podcast this week. Apologies, our schedules just didn't line up. We weren't able to record it this week, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be back next week uh, for the next episode of Eat, Sleep, Arsenal repeat. But please still do keep uh, joining the, the Strava group. That's uh, www.strava.com slash clubs slash E-S-A-R-P. And get involved with our fitness drive and uh, join us next week for the next one of that. Uh, Dalusu says, Tom, you didn't read my super chat. I must have missed it. Here it is. Uh, Hi, Tom. If we sell Kieran Tierney, how much do you think that we would get for him? 40-ish, I think. It depends on how long's left on his contract. Depends on the clubs that are in for him. But uh, Dalusu, I'm going to go for uh, 40-ish. 40 to 45 million for Tierney uh, is what I'd go for. So there you go. Uh, sorry that I missed that one. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. I will see you tomorrow morning, bright and early, 8am, as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.